Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. For our longtime listeners, you know that Jew in the City is about breaking down stereotypes about Orthodox Jews, uh, showing the world more nuance uh, within the Orthodox community. Growing up, I had this idea that Orthodox women are not allowed to work. Um, I didn't know any Orthodox women personally, but um, I would see these ultra-Orthodox or Hasidic women pushing strollers in New York City with lots of children in them. And I automatically had an assumption that, you know, the men don't let them. They just have to have a lot of babies and the men don't allow them to work. And that was just my understanding of the world. Um, as I started to learn more about Orthodox Jews um, and meet Orthodox Jews and grow in my observance, I saw how many women do have jobs, do have great educations, are, um, you know, do have fulfilling uh, careers. Um, and sort of as my time has progressed in this organization and interacting with different people, my understanding of the dynamics of the Orthodox world has gotten more complex itself, it's gotten more nuanced itself. And now I've seen that um, depending on what community you're in, um, some people have more or less opportunities. Um, there's nothing that the Torah says that prevents a woman from having a great career or, uh, you know, a great education. But in certain communities, um, things are less common. Things are less, um, you know, sort of done. Um, leaders, you know, may frown upon it more. Um, and what I've come to realize over time is that a lot of the things that I at first thought were stereotypes are not really stereotypes. They're just sort of different communities that may have less access to things like secular education, may have less access to, um, you know, career opportunities, um, even though the Torah doesn't forbid it. Um, and the thing is, though, things seem to be changing. Um, you know, it seems mostly in the Haredi world where, um, you know, there's less access to these things. But um, at the same time, it seems like um, the Haredi, the people of this community are, you know, kind of demanding change and are demanding more access to education, more access to career opportunities. Um, you know, you have people like Ruchi Fryer, who was one of our all-stars last year, who is sort of paving the way for how you can be, you know, completely Hasidic and sort of keep to all of your standards, but at the same time, excel in your education and career and sort of, you know, show that those two things are possible. It doesn't have to be, you know, this or that. Um, and we have some two fascinating guests today, two women that are really in this space in Israel. Um, they are both educating the, you know, Haredi female population about, uh, you know, their work opportunities. And they're also publicizing to the larger world, um, you know, what the dynamics of working is like for, for Haredi women. And so we have joining us today, Yael Leibovitz and Chani Zisman. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Elison. So um, if you could let our listeners know um, where the two of you come from in terms of your, I guess, Jewish background and in terms of your career background so we can get to understand um, how did you get to, to do what you're doing today? So um, if, I guess if you could take turns. Okay. Um, so my name is Hani, uh, like you said. Uh, I'm Jewish, Israeli, and ultra-Orthodox. And in Israel, it is called Haredim. Uh, I'm 37. I'm married, mother of four daughters. The eldest is uh, 17. And the youngest is four. I live about half an hour from Tel Aviv in, mm -hmm. a, in, a, 
in a small city uh, that is all ultra-Orthodox. I work in the field of uh, Haredi employment, developing employment programs, and uh, write in an ultra-Orthodox uh, women magazine. That's my uh, background, I can say. Okay, and uh, thank you. And Yael? Okay, so um, I'm, uh, my name is Yael Leibovitz. I'm 35 years old, Israeli Jewish, secular, a single and happy woman living in Tel Aviv. And my professional background is HR business partner positions in big financial companies in Israel. Okay, so how did the two of you meet? Um, and what, are, what have the two of you been working on together in terms of um, the Haredi female working space? So uh, we met two years ago as we both started working together as a group instructors in a unique employment program for ultra-Orthodox women. Uh, I must say that when I met Khani, my first reaction was, uh, you know, you're not like all Haredi, other Haredi women. Uh, you're very different and you're so special. And as I got to know more and more Haredi women, very personally, I started realizing that she's not special. <laughs> she's simply ordinary. Mm. She's just she. And I've had the privilege and the opportunity to meet uh, super intelligent, strong women, edu- educated, professional, very loyal to their families as well as to their working places. And that completely overwhelmed me because that's not what I knew about Freddie women. And there was a paradox between my mind and the reality. I, I love to hear you say this, yeah, Al. Can, I, what, can we go a little deeper into this? Because I'm someone who also um, grew up with a lot of negative associations. I met Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews and found things to be, you know, better than they were. Unfortunately, now I'm working with a population of people that, you know, experienced a lot of negative stuff in the Haredi world. Um, we have a branch yeah. of our work called Project Makom. So I am now seeing some of the worst of the stories, but that doesn't diminish the fact that there are wonderful stories as well. Uh, many wonderful stories. So where do you think your opinion came from? How, how did your negative associations get shaped before you got to um, experience all these positive things up close and personal? I think because uh, it's the reality, that's the reality, you know, you're very, um, you're very exposed to the media. Uh, you see, uh, you just, um, how do you say, you just uh, get from the environment what it tells you. Mm-hmm. And if that's, that's what you hear and that's what you, you learn from the TV and all kinds of, uh, you know, documentary, uh, which are very, which have uh, documentary uh, programs uh, on the negative side. Yeah. So that affects really badly. And I think it does lots of harm and it, it will never see the other side. I mean, yeah. I, since I started working with already women, I started writing. I haven't published yet, but I started writing about really different experiences that you will mm. never read about in a newspaper. You will never see it on TV because it's too much positive <laughs> in order to show okay. it. I'm going to make you an offer right now. Yeah, we would be happy to publish any of these articles if you have some, you know, first-person stories or anecdotes. This is exactly yeah. what. Meaning we, we are here to fight the, the problems because, you know, I would say the biggest Kiddush Hashem we can make is to fix the things that are wrong. But at the same time, like you said, there are so many wonderful things to publicize. So we would 
love to um, to share these stories with the world and get them out there because I agree. You, you never hear from these stories. Um, Khani, um, what did you have any? Would you say you had any stereotypes about secular women or, you know, were you separate from that yeah, community? Of course, and, and, yeah, of course, yes. And I think that uh, my point, point of view, it's very important because uh, we always uh, think uh, and... Um, um, and know about uh, the secular um, opinion about us, but when I uh, uh, first met a secular woman like Yael, someone who became my friend, I was in total shock. I told her, Yael, you are secular differently. You can't be like all the secular people because uh, you are good, you're nice, you have a few values, you behave well. That is not what I know. So mm. you must be different secular. And like Yael, as I met more secular women, I understand that Yael is not different. Mm. Oh, um, this is so nice. This is so beautiful to hear. <laughs> um, and so, yes. well, so you know, um, it, it seems clear to me... Um, Connie, why you would want to work in a space related to Haredi women working. But, Yael, what what made you get interested to deal with this community? Uh, I'll try to make a long story short. Uh, as an employer, I recruited a Haredi guy. And it wasn't so simple at first. And not because of him at all, but because of us because of the um, stigmas and stereotypes we had, the recruiting team or the managers, uh, because of our fears, such as uh, what if he will uh, want us all to become orthodox or to eat kosher food or he might want, uh, he might not become one of the team and it will ruin the whole atmosphere. But mm. there was really nothing between him and all of our fears and as we got to know him more and more uh, and searched for answers to all these questions and doubts we had, we took the right decision and he got accepted because of who he is. Mm-hmm. And he became one of the best employees because he has a magical personality. Mm-hmm. And that story really touched me. And I decided a few months later to uh, start working with Horedi women. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And, and Khani, and what, what brought you uh, to, to get... Well, let me ask you a question. Um, what's your educational background? You, you grew up Haredi your whole life, so um, was it common yeah. for you? I mean, I know that women are working more than men, but in terms of you know college or that sort of a thing, I know it was less common before. It's becoming more common now. So um, what's your educational background before you got to your professional field? Uh. We say uh, in in Haredit, okay, in Haredit, Ba'avonotai. Yael, how do we say Ba'avonotai? Ba'avonotai? Yes. Because I went to uh, to the college and I have uh, two uh, degrees, Yael. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and... Um, uh, I'm not have. Uh, I, I think I'm not a good example to my daughters, for example. Okay. Why? Uh, in this, I I think I'm not so good example 
to my daughters if I want them to uh, go, go um, straight in the Haredi community because I go out, I mm-hmm. help, help me, mm-hmm. and uh, and then יעל, איך אומרים שיצאתי ללמוד תואר באוניברסיטה? So what, how, how did you, why and how did you decide to, to go to university if it was less common when, when you got this idea? I don't know exactly to tell you what uh, the exact um, point, but uh, I am non-conformistic mm-hmm. and I want to, uh, I'm, um, I think, I think uh, I, when I, uh, decided to go to uh, the university I I don't know exactly what what I want and what is um, good for me and what uh, the reason I, I just go mm-hmm And did you face a lot of backlash? Were there any? Um, I just met a woman who, um, you know, got a PhD, a, a Haredi woman from Israel, and um, sh- her husband didn't even know she was going to university until the first bill came in. So um, you know, she, my, close, she, my close family, no, but not uh, my friends, not, not everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's an issue. Uh-huh. And now do they know now you're on the radio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, now it's not so uh, um, uh, when I uh, uh, went to the college, it was uh, 10 years ago. It's mm-hmm. not like now. It's uh, different. It's different. So how, you know, it's interesting because there's some, the Rabbanim, um, I think not so long ago, made some sort of... Um, Takana that women shouldn't go to college, but it's happening anyway, right? Meaning, do they make this takana because yes, it was this, happening? They were trying to stop it. This is a very big uh, difference. Yes, this is a, uh, there. There is a very big difference between um, we call it oraklalit, um, in public, public like education, uh, like B. Yes, and, and when when I go to the rabbi to ask about myself. Uh-huh. Um, it's, yes, it's not the same thing. Uh-huh. So pe- people will ask personal she'elot, and they'll yes. get one answer, and then the Rabbanim will make a takana for the community as a whole. Yeah, exactly. And, and what, they do that because they want people to continue to ask? No, I don't think so. It's because in generally, general, they... actually um, against uh, university and all and all this thing but when you uh, come and ask about yourself and your uh, specific uh, condition and what you uh, can achieve what you can when you go it's it's just you you have you you just 
you have, פשוט תקבלי תשובה אחרת, יעל, תעזרי לי. You will get a different uh, response or answer. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so what, so you, now you've lectured, the two of you have lectured on the double glass ceiling. So um, if you could tell me a little about where you have given this presentation and what you're speaking to, uh, to these audiences about. Uh, so we spoke already in uh, India, in New Delhi. at the Women Economic Forum uh, last year, and it was amazing, uh, at the Jewish community in Czech Republic, in Prague. Uh, and also, uh, we went to Brussels this year on uh, Women's International Day on March, uh, and we had this lecture at the Parliament, uh, European Parliament House. It was fantastic. And so what are you speaking about? Uh, what I speak about is about... Um, the glass ceilings that each one of us has as women. Uh, so basically, each one of us has more than one ceiling, because we are w- women first, and then there's another addition, one at least, like uh, Haredi, like 45 years old, uh, like a mother, like overqualified, like living somewhere in a rural place and not in the city or whatever. And so most of us, have uh, more than one glass ceiling. Uh, so we speak about the glass ceilings we have and about wall ceilings. When we say wall ceilings, uh, we mean um, the cultural gaps that exist, and mostly we are not aware of them. Um, as we got to, to work together and we started to understand that we meet people who are really different from us and Every time we meet someone new, we have the stigma, we have the um, stereotypes, and that stands between us uh, like, a, like a transparent wall. We are not aware of it, but it affects us. We really think it has an effect on economy, all this story of glass ceilings and wall ceilings. We give lots of examples, and we also talk about languages, that when Hani and I started working together, we realized that even though both of us speak Hebrew, uh, we don't have the same Hebrew. Like Hani mm. speaks Haredi Hebrew, mm. and I speak Israeli Hebrew, and we didn't know that. Mm. And we understood yeah. that we say the same words, but we mean different things. Mm. And yes, it's yes, really yes. interesting. Can you give me an example of... What, yes, like, yes, what, I will word give in... you an example. Yes, yeah. it's a word you shall understand that we, that the cultural difference uh, causes employers in uh, many cases to avoid of hiring uh, Haredi employ- employees. And uh, if they do, they would get paid much less many, uh, many times. And, mm-hmm. um, um, we will uh, realize that the cultural gaps between us are barriers. And uh, you want uh, an example, so um, I want to ask you a question, Alison. Okay? Mm-hmm. Do you have a nice weekend ever? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, because I never had. And we Haredim do not have a nice weekend at all. We have Shabbat Shalom. And uh-huh. the term weekend sounds totally strange to the ultra-Orthodox ear in Israel. 
Mm-hmm. Even now, when I know the terminology, it still bothers me to hear it because it's Shabbos. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay, and I mm-hmm. give you one more example. Um, uh, with the Haredim, we uh, maintain mo- modesty in the yeah. language. We use different words to describe things that we don't want to talk about openly. For example, mm-hmm. when a woman say she is waiting, she actually means she is pregnant. Oh. She will not use the word pregnant because it is not appropriate to talk, to talk like that. Uh-huh. So... So that I would say the English for that is expecting. Expecting is kind of like waiting. That's sort of our English. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Aha. Yeah. Uh-huh. Got it. So you can't exactly communicate. So I have two questions, one for either of you or both of you. Um, for Khani, um, what can the Haredi world do to increase opportunities for women to learn, you know, have more opportunities in learning and more opportunities in their career? Um, it seems like it's happening already, but... Um, what what can be done to um, continue this uh, you know trend? Yeah, Okay, I want to um, uh, tell Yael in, in Hebrew and she uh, translate me, okay? Yeah. It's okay? Yael, yeah. I think that you need to take the process to make it for yourself, because the things are happening now, and you need to be careful, not to be careful. Okay, what, what Hani sh- says is that uh, you just need to let the process um, be and mm-hmm. not create something specific. But now I need to ask you, Alison, if I understood your question. Maybe you can say it again because I'm not sure if that's what you meant. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is... Um, how there seems to be a trend for women in the Haredi world to be going to college more, to be having more career opportunities. Is there any way to improve this or increase this or give more women these opportunities? Does, does she have any ideas on how this could get better? Yes, I think that's, that's what she meant. Okay, I just wanted to make sure yeah, yeah. that we answered the question. Okay, yeah. So you just need the, the, the process to... To be by itself, it's very important not to put any force, like not to push, because that will create um, uh, a resistance, maybe. The pushback, yeah. Um, and then let me ask you now, um, Yaeli, what do you think could be done for the secular world to break down more barriers to get past the stigmas or the stereotypes that are, are blocking entry for um the you know the Haredi Jews that want access to the rest of the world to be able to have those same opportunities. Uh, yeah, we can about uh, our uh, project right now. Yeah, we, th- that's what we do actually. Hani and I deal with that question a lot, 
and we actually really do, doing practical things. Like we work with Gesher, mm-hmm. and we have kind of a project when we meet uh, employers, and we make kind of workshops, and we try to understand really, let them speak their fears, their hesitations, what they have very very openly on their minds, because we know we know that we've been there, we know the um, secular part, we know the Haredi part. Uh, each part has his own. Uh, their own uh, hesitations and fears. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. We just need to put everything on the table and just, you know, uh, break it into very little pieces and then see that many of the things we are afraid of, they do not exist or they're not what we think they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we do it with gesture, we do it uh, within the lecture, uh, we work with many women. Um, in the business sector, we know lots of mentors who work with the Haredi women. We really try to be uh, translators between Haredi and secular. Uh, that's what we do, I think, on a daily basis. And what about, have you, have you found any partners in the media that would be willing to share these stories? Or is that still, um, you know, too difficult to find people that are open to, to sh- telling stories with more nuance? Uh, actually, we haven't tried. Uh, I'm not sure what Hani thinks about it. <laughs> but it's a good, uh, a good time to ask her. But uh, no, we haven't tried that one yet. I mean, look, as someone that has, you know, used social media now to, you know, tell these stories, um, what I found is that social media can then lead to, uh, you know, traditional media coverage. Um, and I would say there's two I parts. Just ask, yeah. I just uh, w- I just ask Yael uh, not to uh, put my pictures <laughs> on uh, mm-hmm. Facebook mm-hmm. Uh, because it's not so uh, it's not so easy in yeah. our community to yes in the ultra ultra orthodox Facebook is no big no mm-hmm. got it and so maybe maybe yes. for the secular world then to understand um, more about what the Haredi world is about I'm saying to tell those stories then to you know. In I don't know secular uh, Israeli publications. Um, I mean I think that we've heard so many stories through the years um, where when they you know read about someone up close um, or see a video, um, it can really break down barriers and people start to see you know just as the two of you experienced each other um, and yeah. saw the community differently. Um, that's able to happen through media. Those you know through articles through videos. Um, that kind of change can take place. So um, that would be my suggestion uh, to, to kind of further this uh, process along. But um, it sounds like the two of you are up to really incredible work. Um, and I wish you much uh, hatzlacha on uh, your continued success. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for talking to us today. And you guys can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.